Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. What a great spirit's in this place. How many feel the spirit of the Lord? His presence is here. God's going to speak to us today. Amen. What a great testimony. I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud or anything, but answer it to yourself. Did you get excited when Dwayne gave that testimony? Did you get excited like it was your testimony? Amen. I hope that nobody went, oh man, where's my raise at? Or any kind of attitude like that, because that's not what God is looking for. Amen. We rejoice with that. And, and uh, you know, there's always suffering before there's a testimony. How many can say amen? And, you know, most people don't even know that, and he didn't say it, but I'm going to say it for him, that he would get left over a bunch of times when he worked that night shift he's supposed to get off at six and sometimes that next person would not show up for work and he'd have to work the next shift as well and just be stuck there how, how many like to want to get off of work after a 12-hour shift or 10-hour shift and then have to keep on working and have no choice of whether you want overtime or anything if you can get overtime and that even happened this morning he was supposed to get off at six and he texted me on the way to church and said i'm not going to make it devil didn't want him to give that testimony but how many know jesus has overcome amen the devil is defeated this morning come on don't do a golf clap amen god is good he's faithful amen praise god well i want to get into the word but before i do i want to i want to ask us to pray together as a church for this situation that's going on in russia and ukraine And we're going to lift that up right now. But I want to say something. I did not feel led to do an entire message on it. But I do want to let you know, we talked about this in discipleship on Friday, that uh, this to me, in my opinion, is prophetic. I believe that what's going on in Russia right now in Ukraine is in the Bible. And uh, I believe that it is part of Bible prophecy. And I believe that it is uh, taking us in another step closer to the return of Christ. I don't want to take a long time on that. I could have preached an entire message on it. I did do quite a bit on Friday at Discipleship about that. But um, you can read later in your Bibles in the book of Ezekiel uh, 38 and Daniel chapter 9. But it talks about Russia being, and it actually mentions Russia. It doesn't say that word. It's Rosh. But it actually mentioned Russia being pulled down by the jaw to the south. And if you know right now, Russia is attacking down to the south. Ukraine is south. And Moscow, the capital of Russia, is directly north of, of Israel. And so that's the highest part in the, United, or in the world, uh, that part of the world is Russia. And uh, I'm not saying that they're doing what they should be doing. I'm telling you it's prophetic. I'm not telling you that what they're doing is right, it's wrong, it's, it's, uh, it's dictatorship, it's communism, it's, it's bullying, it's all these different things. But I'm telling you that because of the situation we're in in this world and where we're at prophetically... I believe this is Bible prophecy being fulfilled, and I want us to understand that, and and, and I want us to pray for those innocent people this morning, amen, that are possibly losing their lives, and they're they're wanting to be a a, a, uh, country that has freedom, and they want, Russia wants to take that back, they want to conquer all that area back that was Russia before, and we got to understand, church, these things are not things that we would do, or even God would do, but God knows, and this is written thousands of years ago, amen? So I want us to stand one more time, if you would, and I want us to pray this morning for this situation. Let's pray for God's will. Let's pray for God's protection. Let's pray for God's hand in this situation that everything that's going on, God can turn a tragedy into a triumph, amen? Father, we bring this situation in Russia and Ukraine before you. Come on, pray with me. And we lift up this nation, God. We lift up this situation. There are believers there in Ukraine, Father, that are fighting for their lives. They're in danger. They're scared. Father, we pray today like it was our neighbors. We pray today like it was us. Father, it's our family, Father. We pray for protection. We pray for you to take the enemy's plan and cancel it out, Father. We pray that you would open up doors of opportunity for the gospel to be preached in this, uh, in this time. And Lord, it won't go on the news, but you will use this situation for your glory because everything that happens in this world is under your sovereign power and you are in control of everything, Father. Take what's negative and turn it into positive. Take what's darkness and turn it into 
alike this morning. Lord, let those brothers and sisters in Christ this morning know that this church is praying for them. And Lord, we believe that you're moving by your mighty hand and everything that's taking place is for souls to be saved, lives to be changed, and darkness to be defeated. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning, amen. I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, it kind of goes off of what he just said and what goes into the message. I told the guys this the other day. What this means is when you see things like this taking place is it means that we're closer every moment to the rapture. Every moment we're closer because Russia coming down and getting into that area is so that they can get closer to Israel. You have to understand the book tells us everybody's going to end up surrounding Israel. All these nations are going to be around Israel. And at the end of the tribulation, at the beginning of the millennial reign, all these nations are going to be defeated by Christ. And, and, and there, it, there's not going to be a World War III that, that the world would call it that. Amen? But there's going to be a, a climax happening around Jerusalem and God is going to get His glory and He's going to defeat all those nations one more time because what they really want is not Ukraine. They want Israel. I don't have time to get into all that, and I, I might start trying to preach the message that I'm not, not going to preach today, but we need to understand that if that's at the end of the tribulation, then how much closer we are, are, we, are, are we to the beginning of the tribulation, and how much closer are we, are we to hearing the trumpet sound? Amen. And so we have to, here's what I want you to write down, we have to live our lives as if Jesus is coming back in the next 10 minutes. That's, the, that's what God wants in His Word. Live our lives as if He's coming back in the next 10 minutes. But plan your lives like He's not coming back for a thousand years. Did you get that? That means we have to occupy till He comes. We can't just go, well, He's coming back soon, so we're just going to go sit there and wait. We've got we to gotta advance, we've got to preach, we've got to live, we've got to plan, but we have to have that balance. Amen? So get your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to get into the Word this morning. It's going to be a follow-up from last Sunday, and we talked about spiritual warfare, and this means war, and I want to give you another opportunity today to uh, understand what, how we can operate in that power, and it's called spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. And we're going to start off in Ephesians chapter 1. How many know when you hear the word authority... It can be a turnoff to some people. Amen? And if it is a turnoff, that might be a problem just right off the bat. Because we need to understand authority, especially in the kingdom of God. Because God works under authority. He, we work under His authority today. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How many want wisdom and revelation from the Word? In the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in the saints. And what is, watch this, the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who what? How many believers do I have in here today? Not, it does not say hearers. It does not say Christians. It does not say people who attend church. It says those who believe according to the working of our power. No, His mighty power. Which He worked in Christ, watch this, when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him, this is, this is what we want to see this morning, seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Here's where he's seated, far above, we talked about this last week in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, far above all principality. How many principalities? All. And power and might and dominion. And watch this, every name that is named. So you can say the name of a cancer, the name of a spirit, the name of a struggle, the name of a drug, the name of a problem. Whatever you're dealing with in your life, the Bible tells us that His name and His power is above every name. Amen. So there's nothing impossible for God because everything is under His authority. Everything is under His power. Everything is under His dominion. 
Every spirit, every lie, every problem, everything is under his power. All power has been given to him. And it says not only in this age, not only where we live today. And I want you to think about this. This is important because we're not working today for here. We're working for heaven. We're working to populate heaven and depopulate hell. We're trying to get people out of hell. Isn't that what we're here for? Aren't you glad that somebody got you out of hell? You were headed to hell, amen? I was headed to hell, but someone preached the gospel to us. And not only also in this age, but that which is to come. And he put all things, there it is again, under his feet. Always that song, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. We're talking about the devil, he's under my feet. Why? Because he's under Jesus' feet. And I'm under Jesus. And he gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, that's where the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Spiritual authority. I want us to think about position this morning. And when we go back to last week and we talk about spiritual warfare and we talk about binding and loosing and we talk about using the power that God has gave us, how many know that position is everything? In real estate, location is everything. In spiritual authority, position is everything. Because here's what I want you to understand. You, you might listen to that message last week and, and get a fight in you, I hope, that says, I'm going to advance, I'm going to preach, I'm going to go, I'm going to take, a, I'm gonna take, it wasn't yet, man, I'm going to take authority over this situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into my house and I'm going to bind those things and loose those things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after the devil in the name of Jesus and you, you get all excited, but you got to understand, if you're not in the right position, you can't do anything, Okay? And, and our position has to do with our obedience to God. How we follow the Word of God. How we listen to the Word of God. And I want to show you that here in the Scriptures. That we cannot walk in the flesh. We cannot be carnal. We cannot be like the world. Or in other words, we cannot be like we used to be. Do what we used to do. Say what we used to say. Think what we used to think. Go where we used to go. Be the person we used to be. And think that we can point our finger at the devil and have authority over him. Are you following me? And I mentioned this again last week, and I want to mention it again today. And it's in the book of Acts. I think it's around 18 or 19. I don't want you to go read it right now. You can read it later. But the story is there where this man is hearing. He gets excited by emotions. One of the biggest keys this morning to understanding authority is it's not about emotion. It's about position. Okay, you're gonna, that's going to make more sense. I can get emotional, I mean, I can get excited when I hear a testimony like Dwayne's about his job, but if I don't do what he did to be in that position to get that raise, if I don't put up with two and a half years of having to work overnight, I can get excited, so I'm going to go in and talk to my boss to get me a raise this week. Well, maybe you're not in the position to get that raise yet. Maybe you're not in the place that God wants your heart to be. Are you following me? So it's about position. And this man in the Bible hears about this power. He sees all these miracles that Paul and the disciples are doing. And he, he wants that power too because everybody wants power. And he says, I bind you in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. So he wasn't in position in his life. He didn't truly believe in Jesus Christ. He wasn't living a holy life. And so he wasn't in position to speak to those demons in the name of Jesus because he was saying it and even said it himself, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And because he was out of position, and I want you to think about this this morning, maybe, maybe the defeat in your life or the lack of victory maybe, maybe it's not defeat but you're not where you want to be, is because you're not in the position God has, wants you to be of holiness and righteousness and faith and you're, you're fighting a battle in the wrong place and because of that you're, you're finding yourself in defeat. So he says in the name of Paul, the, Jesus the, that Paul preaches and those demons recognize, listen, that he didn't have any authority. He said the right words but he didn't have any authority and so they jumped on him and beat him almost to death. Those demons, those spirits. Are you following me? So we cannot, this would be a good thing to write down in your notes, we cannot walk in the flesh 
and expect to have God's authority in our life. God's authority is operating in my life when I have put my flesh to death. Okay, I want you to think about this. When am I the closest to God? When I am putting my flesh the most to death. When I'm walking the least in my carnality. We are all carnal. We all walk in in physical bodies. We have to deal with the flesh. Paul says, I die daily. Have you died today to your flesh? We have to die every single day to the flesh. Watch what Romans chapter 8 says. Verses 5 to 11. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This is a position. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, and just leave that up for one second so I can explain and get you to understand this. Spiritually minded is life and peace, meaning we are, our thoughts are on God. Our relationships are about God. Everything we do revolves around God. This is the difference. Everything I do revolves around God. I'm not expecting God to come revolve around me. Okay? So to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is is life and peace. Let's keep reading. Because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy of God. And it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So if I'm walking in the carnality of my flesh, if I'm thinking fleshly, doing fleshly, walking fleshly, doing all these things, then I'm not in a position to have authority over the devil. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot now I've been saying this a lot and this is the truth in the last few messages I've been preaching I'll say something I go that's another message I could preach an entire message on this right verse verse 6 well obviously we don't have time to preach an entire message on every verse but that's a whole nother whole nother message holiness and sanctification and, and righteousness but it says those who are in the flesh in other words those who are disobeying what God's word says cannot please God are you with me And then he gives us a little bit of hope and he tells us, but I believe in you. And you're not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. So I'm going to continue from here and talk to you like you're in the spirit, not in the flesh. If indeed the spirit of God, what? Dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is alive in life because of what? Righteousness. But, here's the key. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. How many know that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us? If we believe that. He says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give your life, life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So what does this mean, church? This means if I am crucifying my flesh and I'm walking in humility and I'm surrendering my life to the Lord and I'm walking in the way He wants me to walk, I'm in a position where resurrection power can move through my life. How many want the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to operate in your life? Every day, all day, operate in your life. Walking under authority given by God how many with me so far so just keep that mindset that that what the devil's job is is he wants us to be carnal we wake up we talked about this a few weeks or months ago about uh, temptation we wake up and there's the devil waiting to tempt us and we saw what he did with Jesus and how did Jesus defeat the devil by the word of God he didn't, do, he didn't do anything but his, standing his position on the Word of God. And so we're in a place today where God wants us to rule our homes. He wants us to rule our church. He wants us to rule our lives under His Lordship. Okay, Him being the head and us being the body. Him being uh, above and us being below Him. Understanding that the authority that He has, we have. But I have to be 
what the Bible calls in good standing. I have to be walking in the right position or be in the right position, walking the right life, living the right life. I have to, that's what we just read there in Romans. We have to be in, in, in living a life of, of holiness and righteousness so that that power operates in our lives. And if that's not happening, then the devil will come in when he wants to come in and the devil will do what he wants to do. And maybe you're seeing that happen in your life. Maybe you're not seeing the victory that you know that God wants you to have in your life. Well, here's the reason why. It's an authority problem. It's an authority problem. We need spiritual authority in our lives. I'm going to get into this some more. Romans chapter 14. Here's what it comes down to. I can't answer this for you. You can't answer this for me. For none of us lives to himself. Here's where God wants us to be. And no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Okay? Therefore, whether we live or we die, whether we're on this earth or we're in eternity, we are the Lord's. Okay? For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. Why? That he might be the Lord of both the dead and the what? Again, he wants to be Lord of our lives here on earth. He wants to be Lord of our lives in heaven. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jason. Did I finish reading that? Okay, read that nine again. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So God wants to be the Lord of your life. Jesus wants to, he wants to be number one. Not one and a half, not two, not three. He's a jealous God, the Bible says. And he says in his word, to sum up all that we're reading here, if you will be in a position of authority, if you will be in a position of lordship, you'll be in a position of submission to my spirit, if you'll be in a position of, of crucifying the flesh and living the righteous life I've called you to live in my resurrection power, not in your own power, in my resurrection power, I will let you use my authority and there, was, there is no demonic force in darkness that can defeat you. Nothing like that song says. He has risen from the dead. He has given us that power. We've overcome the enemy because he is alive. How many are thankful that he is alive this morning? Amen. You will never walk in the spiritual authority God wants you to walk in. Until Jesus Christ is Lord, Master, Ruler, and Final Authority of every area of your life. Okay, let me, let me read that to you again. You will never walk in the spiritual authority. Now here's the question that we all have to answer. Do I want to walk in a little bit of spiritual authority? Do I want to walk in 50% of spiritual authority? Or do I want to walk in full spiritual authority? I mean, I think we all want to walk in full. Here's the, here's, the, here's the key. Whatever percentage I give lordship to God is the percentage of authority I have in my life. Okay? The more you submit to his authority, to his lordship, the more authority you, you have in your life. The less you submit, the less you have. You, and, and, and you can even be out of position to even have any authority. Okay? Are you with me? So again, until you walk where Jesus Christ is Lord, Master, Ruler, and here's the key, final authority over every area of your life. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I wrote this down in my notes, and I thought this was a powerful thought that the Holy Spirit gave me. Jesus doesn't just want to be our Savior. Think about that for a second. He doesn't just want to be the person who came in and saved us from hell. He wants to be everything. He wants to be master. He wants to be Lord. He wants to be king. He wants to be our first thought. He wants, us to, he wants to be our last thought. He wants to be our middle thought. Here's what I mean by this. Lots of people want Jesus to be their savior. Lots of people want Jesus to save them from danger and from hell. 
Well, don't, here, let me give you just let me give you a real quick understanding of this. How many people do you think today in the Ukraine are calling out to God that didn't call out last week? I don't say that disrespectfully. How many people all of a sudden are a little more love, in love with Jesus this week than they were last week? Because now missiles are flying over their heads. And, and tanks are going through the streets. Let me just tell you something, church. I prayed this this morning for us. Don't let us have to go through something like that to get our eyes back on Jesus in our country. Because that seems to be the way we work. 9-11 happens 20 years ago and the churches are packed. Just to throw in and interject at this moment, at this part of the service, and this part of the message, back to what I said at the beginning, church, things are not going to get better, and I've been saying that for years. You think the gas prices are high right now? What do you think is going to happen with this? We were driving in today. I know, I know they were just the other day, last time I got gas, 3, 325, 330, now it's 350 for regular. So it's not going to get better, and I'm not saying that for doom and gloom. That's why we are in God's economy. But my point is, why do we always as believers have to wait till things get ugly before we start praying? Why do things always have to get ugly before we say, oh Lord, here I am, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in your army, here I am, I'll fight. Why don't we fight now? Why don't we be in position now? Why don't we get ready right now and not wait till that happens? Can I get an Amen. So what we want is we want Jesus to be our, here, watch this, we want Jesus to be our Savior, but we don't want Him to be our Lord. We want Him to save us from hell. No one wants to go to hell. And lots of people, by the grace of God, are going to go to heaven because they called out on God in their last breath, and His mercy is going to get them into heaven. That's not the life God wants us to live. That's not an overcoming life. That's not a life of authority. Watch this. They want him to save them from hell and danger, but they don't want him to rule, and here's the words you're not going to like, dictate their lives. Jesus is supposed to be our dictator because we give him reign to be that person. He does not force it on us. Does anybody notice that about Jesus? He, so he... They want him to be savior, but we don't want him to be ruler, dictator. We don't want him to make decisions for us, and we definitely don't want him to expect things from us. Come on. Am I preaching the truth? Lordship is, Lord, I might not even agree with this. I don't even, uh, this is definitely not how I would do it, but you're God. This, I, this isn't how I would think about this, but I'm not you. We need to stop playing Savior and Lord and start letting Jesus be who He is in our lives. Let Him be Lord. Let Him rule. And just say, yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. You make the decisions. I'll let you rule. Because He's going to rule anyways. Whether we let Him or not. How many know everything that's happening in this world is under God's sovereign power and whether we agree with it or not, like it or not, way we, it's God's in control and we're not. And when something like this happens in the world, we realize even more we're not under control. We're not in control. God is. And if you don't like the way he's doing things, too bad. Because he's God. And that's the place you need to be in. You're God. I'm not. I submit to your authority. And I trust you, God, because you said that you're a good God. You said you're going to fulfill your promise. We, we wrote those promises back in them, but it's not me playing, let's make a deal with God. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. But don't ask me to do nothing for you. Amen? Here's where we realize, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, why we can't say those words and why we give him everything and why we give him lordship. It says, you were bought with a price. We have been purchased. I'm not my own, Paul says. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, since I've been bought with a price, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Next time you go to think or do something that's not godly, remember, this ain't your body no more. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now here's a perfect picture of authority. I, I was praying and saying, Lord, I'm not saying this is the, I feel like this is the best example, but there's probably others. 
There's many different, I, I was talking about this with my wife. I said, hey, I'm preaching on this. Give me an example. And she gave me some good examples. And I might ask you, and you might have some examples, some things that pop in your head. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 8. And I believe this is such a great story to help us understand as we begin to close here and get to, get to the meat of this. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and pleading said, Lord, my servant. Remember, a centurion is a soldier of great rank. And said, Lord, and notice how he doesn't say Jesus or, or Messiah. He says, Lord, this man understands who Jesus is. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus says, and this is what's so awesome about Jesus, I will come and heal him. Jesus wants to heal us. How many know Jesus always wants to heal? Always wants to restore. Always wants to fix. Always wants to do great things. I will come and heal him. Watch this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, this is a big key to spiritual authority. Humility. Because when authority is abused, it's in a lack of humility. Lots of people in the church world have been hurt by the church because of spiritual authority being abused. And when it's abused is when there's no humility in the leadership. When a leader is humble, people want to follow. Doesn't mean that they don't deal with things. Doesn't mean they don't tell you what you need to hear. Doesn't, that does, that's not what I'm saying. But there's a humility. That I'm just telling you this because I'm under orders. Does that make sense? Every one of us is under somebody. And in the kingdom of God, you're going to be, this goes to discipleship, being discipled by somebody and discipling somebody, hopefully all the time. Okay? So he says, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Even though he was a great man of authority, he knew that Jesus' authority was greater. But only, this is so powerful, just say the word. That's authority. Just say the word. He didn't, he didn't have to do a lot. He understood that God's word alone was all he needed. Just speak the word. And he says, if you speak that word, my servant will be healed. He says, and here's the key, for I am a man under authority. Now ask yourself, are you under authority? Ask yourself that. And if you go, no, I'm not, then have fun with life. I'm just keeping it real. No, I'm not. No one's ever going to be over me. No one's ever going to be in authority. Okay, have fun with life. You're not going to have a very good life in, the, in, this, in, the, in God's kingdom. I promise you. Whether you like it or not, you have to come under spiritual authority and the order of God okay and he says I say go to this one and he goes and I say to another come and he comes and so my servant do this and he does it that's that's how authority works and Jesus heard it and he marveled and said to those who followed assuredly I say to you I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. It's, I'm going to move on from there. Now, when you understand, listen to this, and operate in the authority of Christ in your life, you will see miracles. Okay? Listen to this. When you understand, put that background back if you don't mind. When you understand and operate in the authority of Christ in your life, you will see what Christ has, which is power and dominion and miracles, and signs, and wonders, and joy, and fulfillment, and peace, and hope, and all the promises of the Bible when you stand under the dominion and, and authority of Christ. Okay? Someone tell Desi to give me five minutes before she comes up here. I know she's right around the corner. I need to get this last, this is my last page of notes. I need to get this in. This is, this is bring it all, all in. Say, say position again. 
Position. How many know in sports, you've got to be in the right position? Games are won because the person's in the right position. To score a goal, to shoot the ball, whatever it is. Military, same way. Work happens. When work's right, when, when businesses are flourishing, everybody's in the right position. Position is everything. The devil's greatest tool is undermining authority. Okay, are you with me? That's the greatest thing he can do is undermine authority. And the, and the Bible goes on later to call it a Jezebel spirit. Where it undermines the authority of God. Spirit that is not just to, to a woman. doesn't have to be male or female. The, in the Jezebel spirit, she is a woman. But the undermining of authority, if, if, when you look at someone's life and you don't see the dominion in their life, you don't see the miracles in their life, you don't see the signs and wonders in your life, you don't see their kids serving God, you don't see things lining up the way they're supposed to line up. I didn't say perfection, but you don't see things lining up the way they're supposed to line up. It's because the devil is undermining authority. And he does it very well, and he does it to the beginning. I want you to picture in, in the garden right now. We're not going to read it. You can read it later. Hopefully, most likely you've read this already this year as you started reading the Bible more. You read Genesis first, most likely. And in the third chapter, don't go there. I just want you to listen to the picture of the story. What does Satan do? Satan comes into the garden. Now, follow this. And who does he attack first? Do you know your Bible? He attacks the woman. Why? Because he can undermine the authority of the man if he attacks the woman. Are you here? This is what the devil does. Because whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not, whether the world likes it or not, God intended for the man to lead. He intended for the woman to to be subject to him in authority and respect as he earns that respect in his walk. Okay? And is, and is living a life worthy of being respected. Not just demanding it. I'll never forget this man, many years gone now, but this woman and man were coming to our church and he came in first and then she came in after and she was a great servant in our church and a blessing to us for many years. But he, he was... He was what I would call a bona fide loser, to be honest with you. He was. If you ever, many, some of you would know who he is. That's just the truth. Well, you guys got quiet. Yes, he was a loser. Peanut butter head. Yes, he got the definition. That's where it comes from. Have you ever heard me call anybody a peanut butter head? He, he was the one that defined it for me. He was a salesman over at James Will when we got our first van. And his wife came in after him. But I'll never forget after, he had, after I had gone and looked for him in bars... His wife not knowing where he is in the middle of the night. And all kinds of stupidity that he did. He's backslidden. He's out of the church. And she's faithful. And she's serving in our church. And again, she was a tremendous blessing in our church until she left because she moved for her job. Raised his kid. Not even her daughter. His kid. But I remember him calling me one time and says, Pastor, the Bible says that the, my wife is supposed to respect me and she's supposed to honor me and, and, and I'm the head of the house and so she needs to do what I say and, and she needs to come to church. She needs to stop going to church because I'm not going there. And, and I just said, are you, are you being serious? I said, you have no authority to say anything about your wife because of the life you're living. How many see what the picture is there? You can't demand things from the Bible if you're not living according to the Bible. So going back to the garden, Satan comes in and he says, Eve, that tree over there, what about that tree? And she says, the Lord told us that we're not supposed to touch it because if we do, our eyes will be open. And, we'll, we'll, and, and she, the whole story, he goes, did he really say that? What's that? Undermining authority. And he says, if you eat that tree, you're going to open up your eyes and you're going to have wisdom like God and he doesn't want you to do that. And so he's undermining authority. And she says, oh, that looks good. And she eats. But then she goes to her husband and she offers it to him and he takes it and eats it too. And so she undermines the authority of God in her husband's life and God as, he, as the head of the house. And then he doesn't take response. He goes back to God and says, she made me eat it. 
See the lack of responsibility? When a house, church, and this is a whole other message in itself as well, when a house with family is in the order of God the way God intended, blessings are there. Favor is there. Health is there. Peace is there. Provision is there. When the house is the way it's supposed to be. When, I, when a man knows how to lead and a woman knows how to follow and the kids know how to follow both of them in the order that God intended. It's spiritual authority. Amen? Amen? And you can read this later. I'm giving you all kinds of homework. Colossians chapter 3. Now the musicians can come. Colossians chapter 3, 17 to 21. Shows a little bit of just one little piece of the order of God in the family. But let me end with this, with this last thing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Spiritual authority. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, here's the key. Here's the key to spiritual authority. He says, who do you say that I am? Sorry, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He's, and he's basically getting rid of all. In case they don't say it right, I am the Son of Man. I am the Lord. But who do people say I am? He, he knew what the centurion said. Lord, if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And the end of that story shows he was healed. At the very moment that he said, Lord, if you speak the word. Authority. And he says... Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. How many know lots of people have opinions today about who Jesus is? And about who's right and who's wrong? He says, but here's the key, church, to authority. Stay on me here. He says, but who do you say I am? Who is Jesus to you? Teenager? Wife? Husband? Father, mother, sister, brother, daughter, who is Jesus to you? That's, that's where your spiritual authority comes in. The combination of who Jesus is to you and how you obey his commands gives you spiritual authority. Simon answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Simon, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, meaning carnality, has not revealed this to you, but my Father through the Spirit who's in heaven. And I say to you, here's the key. Remember, this is going to ring, the ring a bell from last week. I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the resurrected King, seated at the right hand of the Father, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you, here's the key, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. How many know keys are a good thing? Not when you lose them. That's not a good thing. But when you have the keys, he says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth. This isn't the same verse I read last week. It's a different one. Same chapter. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many doors, how many no keys open and lock doors? So I have a spiritual authority to you this morning to open and lock doors. Sometimes doors need to be locked. Right? Maybe this will help kind of with the, with the binding and loosing part, opening and closing. Some doors need to be locked, and that key needs to be thrown away. Other doors we need to open. We need doors to open up to us. But what he's saying here is, is if you recognize who I am in your life, the King, the Master, the Lord, and you put me, Jesus says, in the place of leadership in your life, Lordship, that I belong, and then you live a life lined up with my word because he says in his word, don't tell me you love me if you don't obey my commands. Right? So I know who he is. I make him Lord of my life. And then I live a life that lines up with his word. And he says, here's the keys. Whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you ask, you can ask it. How many want to have the keys to the kingdom this morning? How many want to be able to open and close those doors? 
How many want to make Jesus the absolute Lord of your life this morning in every area? How many want to walk in 100%, at least trying, in 100% spiritual authority? We can. We just got to line up with His Word. Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for Your teaching us this morning how to walk in authority. And Lord, that going back to that one part of the message today, Father, whatever percentage of lordship I give you in my life is the percentage of the authority that I'm going to have in my own. But it's not a ruling over somebody. It's not a punishing somebody. It's not a pushing or making somebody. It's humility and position and understanding who I am in you. And your word says that when I humble myself, you will exalt me. And so I humble myself to you today and I declare, Father, that you are master and Lord of my life and you're the most important thing in my life and I want my life to revolve around you. All my decisions, all the things I have are not mine, they're yours. And I ask you, Lord, to allow me to walk in the spiritual authority that you have said I can have today. Help me to walk as a, as a leader, as a man today, as a husband, as a father, in a position of authority, as a leader of this church. God, help me to stand in a place of humility, understanding that I didn't ask for this, but you put me here. And Lord, that I have pastors over me that I submit to, Father. And I have people here who submit to the authority that you've put in my life. And this is just how the kingdom of God works. And Lord, when our hearts are pure and our hearts are right, and we live our lives according to your word, we can walk in a spiritual authority. Teach us to do that this morning, Father. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, we're going to open up these altars in just a moment. And it's going to be an opportunity for each one of us to once again tell the Lord, Father, here's my life. I submit to you. I give lordship to you. Whatever the Lord has led you to understand from this message this morning. But before we do that, how many here, under the sound of my voice, are not born again? You have never given lordship of your life. Now, this is what I said earlier. It's not Jesus, will you save me from hell and fire. It's Jesus, will you be Lord of my life. And thank you for saving me from hell and fire. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Be master of my life. Everything I have, everything I am is yours. I'm not my own. I've been bought with the price. Have you been born again today? Do you believe in Jesus Christ with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength? If he's not Lord today, today you can make him Lord. Right now, you can say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life, and I want you to take over. If you've never done that, this first one is, if you've never said that prayer, you've never given Jesus your life, would you just lift your hand up this morning and put it right back down? I want to pray with you today. Just put it up and put it right back down. I want to be saved. Amen. I see your hand. I want to give Jesus lordship because here's the thing. A lot of people know who Jesus is. A lot of people have heard about Jesus. A lot of people even go to church because they, 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 they know that Jesus is good. But have you given lordship to Jesus? That's what he wants. That, sir, that centurion servant understood, I'm a man under authority. Maybe you're here and at some point in your life you said the prayer, a sinner's prayer, but maybe you said it for it fire insurance and not because you really wanted to change. Maybe that was your intent then, but today you're saying, Lord, I don't want to just have you as fire insurance. I want you to be my master. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my breath. I want you to be my decision maker. I want you to be my ruler. I want everything I do to be under your lordship. Maybe you've never done that. You can lift your hand today and say, Lord, I'm giving you lordship today. I see your hands. I see your hands. Amen. Let's stand today. I think that that's the key this morning. We're going to open up these altars in just a moment. If you've never said that prayer, if you've never given lordship to Jesus before, today we're going to say that prayer together. Maybe you can make a statement, say, you know what, I'm going on record that Jesus is going to be Lord of my life this morning, from this day forward. How I many know we can all give more lordship to the Lord?
But maybe you're here and you're saying, I've never surrendered my will to him. Not my will be done. We wouldn't have salvation today if Jesus hadn't gone to the cross and said, not my will. But your will be done. He humbled himself. He, He went to the lowest place so that God could exalt him. If you want to say that prayer, if you want to make that declaration today, would you just step out of your seat? come down to this altar. I want to pray for you this morning. Just step out. Say, I want to make that declaration this morning. Come on, how many more? Amen. I want to make that declaration. Someone's going to come stand behind you and support you in prayer this morning. Amen. Amen. I think that this is something that the Lord is teaching us, guys. How many of us if we were in Ukraine today, would would call out to the Lord because we're scared for our lives, not because we want to change. Did you hear that? How many know there's a difference? Why why were the churches not full three weeks later after 9-11? Now maybe this isn't you, this isn't everybody. But why, why weren't the churches full a month or two months later after? Because once the fear goes away, And once everything dies down and goes back to normal, then everybody just goes back to normal again. But did they really change? Or were they just scared to death? We do crazy things when we're scared. Jesus doesn't want us to believe in Him because we're scared. He wants us to believe in Him because He's Lord. He's Master. He's a good Father. That centurion got the revelation that we all need to have. You don't even have to go to my house. I'm not even worthy for you to go. I know who you are. It's all about recognition. He recognized who Jesus was. And today I believe that many of you are recognizing who he is. We're going to say this salvation prayer, and then we're going to open the altar. And I want all of us today to check our hearts and say, Lord, how much of a percentage of my, of my life have I given to you? And understand that it might not be all at once, but the more you give to the Lord, the more authority you get in your life. Amen? Let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit for speaking to me today through your word. I recognize that I need a Savior, that I fall short of all your glory. Jesus, touch my life today. Transform my life today. Come into my life and make me a new creation. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord of the world, of the universe, of everything. Today, Jesus, please forgive me for all my shortcomings and all my sins. Wash me clean with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen to your voice. And I'm going to surrender everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. This Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, Go to our website at vwotexas.com.